Hi, everyone. Welcome to How Nonprofits Can Adapt Their Storytelling in a Time of Social Distancing. If you are listening to the recording on the podcast, welcome to all my Nonprofit Nation listeners. If you are live, which a lot of you are live, then welcome. Happy to have you here live. If you're listening to the recording, happy to have you listen to the recording. So just thrilled to have you with me today. And the reason that I am doing this webinar is because I am celebrating the opening of my course, which I only run once a year. It's called Storytelling That Sticks in the Digital Age. And you can register now. It's only open through um, at the time of this recording, it's only open until about May 30th. That's when we start class. And like I said, I really only run it once a year. So we're going to talk about storytelling that sticks at the end. I'm going to run through all the modules and I'm going to run through questions. If you have any questions about it, some of you might already be in storytelling that sticks. Some of you might've already taken it, um, and been through it. So either way, I'm happy. I'm happy to have you. So Check it out and I'll take questions about it at the end. So in times of great disarray, I don't know, what do we talk about? In um, unprecedented times, in uncertain times, in social distancing times, how can we as nonprofits, as social change agents, adapt our storytelling. And the key here is that I think that I want to share a story with you. I think storytelling is the same. I think the strategy and the principles are always the same, no matter where you are, no matter what time of year it is, no matter what's going on in the world. But I learned the principles of effective storytelling when I served in the Peace Corps. I was in the U.S. Peace Corps in Senegal, and I went right after college. And what I found was that I had to spend about a year listening and learning and figuring out who are the kind of movers and shakers, who are the influencers, who are the decision makers, and what kind of stories can we tell to change hearts and minds and to really change behaviors Um, because I came in with a communications background. I studied journalism in college. I was very into marketing and I thought, oh, we'll just do a public health campaign. We'll just do a, you know, we'll just do, um, all of these fantastic campaigns and we will prevent malaria and prevent STDs and increase maternal health outcomes. The issue being, of course, that without trust, without trust and credibility built up, you are not able to effectively change hearts and minds or change behaviors. And that's really where storytelling comes in. So that's really where I learned it and kind of cut my teeth on it. So researchers used to think that language was created to coordinate work or battle plans, but in his absolutely must-read groundbreaking book, Sapiens, Yuval Harari found that language was actually invented to tell stories. So since the dawn of time, storytelling has been used as a way for humans to comfort each other, to debate issues, and to form social alliances. And great storytelling does more than simply communicate a message. It gets at the heart of how humans process information. And stories help us visualize how we can improve our own lives 
and the world around us. And popular stories and narratives define our culture, but also define our values and what we deem important. So here are four of my favorite books. The Westing Game, which I actually kind of want to read again. My daughter's reading it and I was just feeling nostalgic. Little Women, of course, A Wrinkle in Time, Incredible, and Harry the Spy is probably my all-time favorite book. But you can get a good idea of what I deem important and what I value and sort of what my ethics are. Um, Yeah, Harry the Spy, one of the best books of all time. I actually was, I mean, I don't really want to say this, but I was trying to like spy on my neighbors. It was inspiring me, (laughs) but I think it's all part of how I developed my love for journalism and my love for storytelling. Cause really at the end of the day, what Harriet does is she writes about other people in her notebook, but she wants to understand their stories. So it's actually very interesting. So it's amazing book. So I suggest everyone read it. So not only is storytelling, you know, it's a tactic, it's used for fundraising, it's used for marketing, but it actually affects the brain in significant ways. Humans are much more likely to pay attention to and remember narratives than they are statistics and data. So I do recommend that every marketer take a psych course or like an intro to neuropsych because it's very interesting to look at the ways in which our messages actually affect the brain. So there's scientific data that proves that storytelling is incredibly effective in terms of marketing and messaging. So I really believe that mission-driven storytelling has the potential to change hearts and minds, especially around complex and difficult issues, because it can increase increase empathy and shift perspectives. So the stories we tell create the world that we live in. And as agents of social change, we have a unique responsibility because trust in what we do is at an all-time low. The Edelman Trust Barometer came out and found in 2021 that 50% of U.S. adults do not trust nonprofits to do the right thing. I mean, that just hits me in my little nonprofit heart. It really upset me when I read that. But trust in in brands, institutions, organizations is at an all-time low. That doesn't mean they don't support our causes. It just means institution, institutional trust. The content that we share should build a community of people who believe what we believe. And Seth Godin always says to shun the non-believers. That doesn't mean trying, not trying to change people's perspectives, but it means focusing first on the believers and giving them the information that they need to then bring other believers in. And I do believe that we have a moral obligation to engage our communities on, on these digital platforms. So what can storytelling do? Storytelling can bring people in to a community of like-minded people or bring people into a community where they're interested, where they're intrigued, where they're fascinated. And another Seth Godin quote around marketing is the goal of any marketing message. When I see it, I should say people like us do things like this. People like me do things like this. And that is incredibly important because we want to create a shared identity 
between the individual and the cause over time. A shared identity. This is the only way that we're going to turn people from passive to passionate. Now, we know a lot about the power of storytelling, the science behind storytelling. But when the rubber meets the road, okay, donors have told us they want stories. So there have been multiple studies conducted where donors are asked about the kind of communications that they want to receive from nonprofits and 60%, you can look at this graphic, impact and success stories. That's the majority of what we should be sharing. We can also share news, we can share events, we can share progress towards our campaign goals, but impact and success stories needs to be the predominance of what we're sharing. So how do we do this? You know, the stories we tell connect the dots for our audience and hopefully inspire them to be as passionate about our work as we are. And we know about the power and potential of storytelling to influence audiences and to persuade people to new ways of thinking. So why are common uses of digital storytelling so ineffective? Well, it's because we think about it only from our agenda. So we need to stop thinking of storytelling as a megaphone to promote our agenda, but we need to start thinking about it as a gift for our supporters. It's really a mindset shift. So what stories should we tell? Well, stories that are intentional, authentic, honest, inspiring, stories that bring soul to the human condition. Look at this story from the Gervais Center Foundation. They're one of my clients. Meet Andy. Andy had her first seizure the day after her four-month immunizations. It happened after her morning feeding. My husband and I had no idea what was happening. Neither of us knew much about epilepsy and her seizure didn't look like what a stereotypical seizure looked like. I ended up FaceTiming with my mom, who's a pediatric nurse, and she recognized it as a seizure. When EMS arrived, we were told it was a febrile seizure and to take her to see her pediatrician. And what Dreve wrote, this, the foundation, our mission and work are driven by warriors like Andy. Help us continue our journey towards a cure for Andy by donating today. If you look at what Save the Children does, Save the Children frequently shares stories to create community. Now I can dream for a better life for my sons. And it talks about the problem. Sohan's mother earns just $250 per day to provide for her two sons. They also face the threat of living in a hot spot for Bangladesh's sex work industry. Now their family's building a brighter future and daring to dream thanks to the opportunity to pursue an education. And they invite you to read on. And then Amira Incorporated what I love about this particular story is it's inviting people in to celebrate the story. So it says one of the women in our program just got a job. Navigating the hiring process is difficult and scary. We're so proud of her for putting herself out into the workforce and committing to the job search process. Help us congratulate and encourage this woman with a comment of kindness below. It's inviting you in to the story without sharing names and identifying details. You don't have to do that. So I have some email examples for you. If you go to bit.ly um, backslash NP COVID. And if you're listening to this on the podcast, 
you're going to need to get the slides or you're going to need to email me <laughs> for that link because you do need to have it correctly spelled correctly. But I have a ton of examples of, you know, communications during COVID, which we are still in. I mean, let's not forget that COVID is still happening. There's still a pandemic. Um, it's still occurring across the globe even cases are spiking in different places. So we can't forget that people are still thinking about it. So there are fundraising appeals here. There are social media updates, stories of hope, emergency funds, activities. I mean, there's all sorts of playbooks and examples here. So it is bit.ly backslash capital N, capital P, capital C COVID. That's my Google Drive of examples. And I've highlighted some here what we've accomplished, stories of hope, your response to this crisis, working together in uncertain times. If you're anxious, we feel you. Just understanding what people are going through and paying attention to your audience and what they're saying. You can also ask people for their stories. So giving them clear instructions, making it easy to participate. So I actually really love this example of Canada without poverty. This is poverty. Join the conversation. Your voice is critical to ending poverty in Canada. Share your video story. And it gives you step-by-step -step instructions. Step one, use a mobile phone, tablet, or computer to film. Step two, have your answers to the questions below ready. Aim for a video three minutes or less. Record your story in a well-lit and quiet location. Upload your video. Use this hashtag. If you don't have Facebook, email it to us. It's step-by-step-by-step-by-step. They give people leading questions, not just saying like, what is poverty? Okay, that's a huge question. Or what is your story? Or how has this impacted you? You're really getting and drilling down into the questions. And that's just a tip from journalism. You're not gonna go to someone and say, okay, what's your story? You're really gonna ask leading questions. What about a story in six contest? Celebrating the year of the grandparent. So this is Road Scholar. And we asked our Facebook fans to share stories about their grandchildren in six words. We received hundreds of responses. And I think a story in six contest is pretty impactful for most organizations. I encourage you, even while things are seemingly very bleak, don't stop storytelling. Don't stop communicating with your audience. Make yourself visible. Your donors want to hear from you. They want to know what's going on with the problem that they care about. They see you as the go-to resource and don't ignore that responsibility. Clearly explain the problem. And if the problem has changed or shifted, if there are things that I need to know about the problem now, as opposed to two years ago or 18 months ago, use data and statistics and demonstrate that you are solving an urgent, timely, and relevant problem. Incorporate emotional storytelling. Invite me in to help solve this problem. Look at the data. So storytelling can actually incorporate the data around the problem that you're solving to make the story more impactful. So if you look at the example I'm sharing here from Rosie's Place, one in three women have experienced some form of physical violence by an intimate partner that immediately establishes 
the problem and shows me that it is relevant and timely and urgent and we need to solve it. And then they share a quote, one day I could not take it anymore and decided to leave. And look at Food Bank for New York City. Did you know 20% of New York City residents age 65 or older rely on soup kitchens and food pantries? That's the problem that is going to help me pay attention and say, wow, I didn't know that. So it's almost shocking me out of my um, complacency. It's really informing me. It's filling that knowledge gap. And then it's sharing this story, this quote, too many of our elderly and veterans are in line for food. They've given us all so much. Why are they here? Captivating story, building blocks. We go through this in storytelling that sticks in detail, but I want to just give you a couple of highlights. So this is one of the modules in the course, but very quickly for our purposes here, you need a hook character stakes, details, and a call to action. CTA means call to action. So what is your hook? How am I going to pay attention? This is just kind of journalism 101. Also, Sarah's life turned around in one night. Thanks to friends like you, Sarah's life turned around. She went from being a homeless addict to safe at Vision House. And it all started with one night. Here's how. Now I definitely have some issues with the wording here. So be careful with the wording, but Sarah's life turned around in one night headline grabs your attention. This was something that I took a picture of from the newspaper, from a magazine, because it caught my attention. Plumber Youth Promise, an organization in Salem, Massachusetts. If I died, who would come to my funeral? This is an example that I always share because it's still one of my, it's still one of the emails that I received that I think about pretty frequently. And I've saved because it's such a fantastic storytelling example, but it has the hook and has a compelling character really has stakes. No child should ever have to wonder about the answer to that question. And then if you look at the news, if you look at the way that the news, the newspapers, radio, podcasts, blogs, the way they cover nonprofits they're not going to cover your golf tournament. Like we all send press releases about our golf tournament. That's not very newsworthy, but if you can frame it as a story, if you can get that hook and that angle. So if you look at the two sentences to this story, looking around her new apartment in Lynn, 25 year old Christina, who didn't want her last name used, can't believe how far she's come in the past four years. During that time, she's gone from jail to working full-time as a medical assistant and living with her three kids. Now that is a hook and there are stakes. There's a compelling character. It has all of the elements of a captivating story, even just in that first sentence. And you definitely want to read more. Think about descriptive details that you can share. So this is an example of a blog post. Um, imagine if you were homeless, you know, I had no idea where my next meal would come from. The sea of humanity swept around me as I blended into the background with my cardboard sign. And where is it? Oh, chilled to the bone. The air was cold. And the longer I sat there, the more the chill cut to the bone. Think about those kind of descriptive details, a sea of humanity. I blended into the background. I was no longer human. Those descriptive details will help people not only process the story, but remember the story. 
These are blog posts from Amira Incorporated. That time I almost died in Honduras. And the first sentence, that's the headline. We have to go now. I don't remember who said it, but it made the reality of the situation hit like a rocket. That is the hook. You want to read the rest of the story. We don't always have to start at the start of the story. We can start in the middle of the story. Oftentimes, those are the best kinds of stories, right? I think if you see a TV show now, it very rarely starts from the very beginning. It kind of starts from the middle or starts from the um, an inciting incident, and then it grabs your attention and gets you to pay attention to the exposition. So your stories are the gold. This is what Andy Goodman of the Goodman Center says. Think of the story itself as gold. You mine the gold, you capture the story. Then you bring it back to your office and you need to pound that gold into different shapes and sizes, depending on whom you're talking to and also where you're telling it. So whether you want to make a bracelet or a ring or a watch, this is where you're going to share your stories. It's going to be how you determine where to share your stories. So where you share depends on, of course, your goals, your overarching goals, what you're hoping to accomplish. What do you want to achieve with digital storytelling? What does success look like? What do you want people to do? And it could be make a donation or it could just be, I want people to really understand what we go through. I want them to sort of get a feel for what we do at our organization. I want them to experience empathy for the community that we are working with. So if you really think about what stories can do, there are lots of different calls to action, but you do want to definitely choose one. And it really could be like, comment, share, get engagement. It doesn't have to be click away to the website. So where you, sh where you share these stories also depends on your target audience. Of course, where do they spend their time? Which platforms do they use? Where are they most active? Because what happens is that we tend to want to attract everyone like a magnet to us. It's very difficult to force people to read your story on Facebook when your target audience is actually all on TikTok. So we need to go where they are and be on the channels that they are using rather than try to force a square peg into a round hole. It also depends on, you know, your capacity. Like, do you have staff members to do this? How much time do you have? What kind of budget do you have? So this really goes back to if you have 20 minutes a day to take a walk, that's better than nothing. But if you can do it every single day or if you can do an hour a day, it really depends on your capacity, your time, your budget. And if you're shoehorning it in with a bunch of different things, then you're going to get different results than an organization that has a little bit more capacity. Some places to share your stories, obviously your website. I think that I know that nonprofits think about their website as a brochure and it really bothers me and drives me nuts. Why don't we feature our best content on our website? Think about the Denver Rescue Mission. This is an example of the Denver, what the Denver Rescue Mission does. Stories of changed lives. 
Evans' image of himself was distorted. Meth, alcohol, cocaine. He was held captive to his addiction, but he's no longer an addict. Today he's healthy, he's sober, and he's taken on a new image. And a lot of the stories like that, you can tell them from people's own words. So this is Pine Street Inn, this example. Moving in to this place means freedom. Don, a Boston native, returned home after 32 years to deal with health issues. After hitting rock bottom and experiencing homelessness, Don settled in one of Pine Street's permanent supportive housing locations. And think about the colors. Think about the vibrancy. Think about what's going to grab attention, what's going to grab eyeballs. But sharing these stories, why don't we do more of this on our website? I do not, I don't know. Sharing stories in email. St. Jude's Children's Research Hospital. They send a weekly news. They, that's right, they email weekly, but it's very short and sweet. It's a featured patient story with a fantastic photo. So this email says, patient Anna wasn't able to celebrate her 16th birthday at home. Instead, a group of friends from her hometown made the journey to St. Jude, making her birthday a sweet success read her story. And then you can click over to the website if you want to read more, but they design these emails for mobile devices. They design these emails for people that are busy. They design these emails for people that are on the go and probably reading their email first thing in the morning or checking their email when they're at their kid's soccer practice, whatever it might be. So think about how you can make your emails juicier, full of more stories and get people to click over to your website. Save the children. I recommend everyone sign up for the save the children email because it looks exactly like this example. It's a lot of photos with text overlay that kind of grabs you and really short, sweet, to the point, succinct stories where you can click on donate now, you can click on read on. And if you were interested in the story, you can explore more of it. Metro West Legal Services. I love how they put the title, thanks to you, Hannah is safe with her father and will hopefully be granted legal status to stay in the United States. So it's sort of the summary of the story in the headline, and then it will tell you the entire story in the email. And this is an email. This is one email. And the key with this is just to stay top of mind and to remind me why I'm a part of this community, to make me proud, make me happy, make me feel like supporting Metro West Legal Services is part of me creating a meaningful life. It's part of who I am. It's part of my identity. And it's just part of my, my values. So not every email needs to be 7,000 links and 55 stories. Oftentimes donors really just want to see the impact of their donation. And then of course, we should be sharing a lot of stories on social media. So our posts, they need to be short and sweet, poignant. They need to have eye-catching visuals. They need to have specific calls to action. This one, this is Boston Children's Hospital. It's a gorgeous little picture of Oliver, who is one year old, standing next to a little snowman. And it says, today's Oliver Cameron's first birthday. Help us send birthday wishes all the way to England, where this adorable redhead is back home 
celebrating his successful story, his successful surgery at Boston Children's to remove a large heart tumor. Happy birthday, QD. And then people can like it. They can comment. They can participate. They can feel like they're part of a community. This is what we do on social media, right? We don't want it just to be a broadcast mechanism. We don't want it just to be a billboard. We want to use it to have that two-way conversation and engagement. Best Friends Animal Society, they're frequently asking for donations and they do it in a very specific way using storytelling. Um, Though she's only six years old, Fiesta has survived the cruel life of a dog fighting ring and she has the health issues to prove it. So that's the problem. That's That's the hook. Thankfully, now she's at Best Friends where she'll receive all the medical attention she needs and with any luck, the chance to open up and love. I love that so much. And the call to action. Can you give just $5 to help Fiesta and other animals like her? It's easy to make a gift today by clicking the donate button below and it's signed from a person. Don't assume that people know what you want them to do after they read this fantastic, compelling, captivating story. Be as specific as possible with your call to action. Now, I know a lot of you either on this webinar or listening to the podcast have challenges with confidentiality, safety issues, and you cannot you know, release identifying details of your clients. And I want you to know that I've worked in domestic violence for years. I've worked with rape crisis centers. I've worked with organizations that prevent sexual exploitation. I've worked with foster care. I've worked with probably every kind of agency you can imagine. So I understand the need to protect confidentiality. You can do this. You can tell stories through the third person. You can share photos and graphics and images that help convey the emotion that you want to convey, but don't necessarily have the person's face and name and age and address right out there. So if you look at the example of Amira, this post, it says, Rachel spent years bouncing from house to house, always wondering where she would be the next day. She finally met the man of her dreams who promised her the world, but it was all a lie. He forced her to sell herself to other men and kept all the money for himself. Rachel was often hurt and abused, but nobody seemed to care. Eventually, Rachel was able to escape and through connections with local law enforcement, found a home at Amira. She's begun her physical recovery, has broken through her distrust of others, and is developing real friendships for the first time in years. Rachel hopes to finish a college degree and is hopeful for her future. So that story has sort of all the captivating building blocks, but it ends on a hopeful note, which Amira tends to do. Think about the hashtags, the trends, the cause and awareness days that you can take advantage of, that you can leverage, that you can even share your story more, you know, quickly and get more exposure. This particular post, this is Carers Week, Action for Children. um, And they spoke to young carers who bear the responsibility of caring for a parent. Um, And they talk to all of the kids on Carers Week during Carers Week and get their stories. Think about ways you could create very simple graphics with a name and just a quote 
from one of the participants or even just a staff member, a volunteer, an intern. The key here is to not stress about perfect content, just document. So the Gibbs Museum during the lockdown when their doors were closed, they would do a day by day. So they were all on Zoom, all in different places, all in lockdown. And they would just do a day by day. What are you doing today? Oh, I am homeschooling my kids. Oh, I'm walking in my garden. Oh, I'm taking my dog for a walk. Oh, I'm just sitting in my kitchen, you know, having some coffee. So they were just um, documenting what they were going through. They weren't stressing about creating perfect content, perfectly polished content. Think about other people in the community that you can ask for their stories. Maybe they're donors. Maybe there are community members, volunteers. You can do a volunteer spotlight. You can easily create graphics with a quote, a photo, and you don't need to have any real experience, especially with all of the fantastic graphic design tools out there today, like Canva, you know, like Adobe Spark. There's tons of free and low cost tools out there. So what are some qualities of a stellar storyteller? I believe you should remain generous. To touch other people's hearts, you must be willing to expose your own. A great storyteller takes time to understand the audience, what they care about, what they want to hear, and stories should be crafted and delivered with these elements in mind. And then I also think you need to prepare and prepare some more. So preparation is key when delivering a great story, but stellar storytellers are also able to improvise and they're not so rigid in their delivery. Stellar storytellers practice being open-minded, enthusiastic, and motivated. They remain curious. They're always asking the questions that their audience is asking. For example, how did this happen? Why did that happen? Why couldn't something else have happened? So think about the questions your audience is asking especially around the services that you provide and the programs that you offer. Stellar storytellers also understand the context. Are you telling the story in front of a group of 100 people? Are you at an intimate dinner? Are you at your gala? Um, are you on Zoom? Or is it just doing like a Twitter Q&A tweet chat? Going back to what Andy Goldman says, molding the story to fit the context is a huge part of being successful in your storytelling. And great storytellers ask good questions. What information do I need to convey? This is not the question that you wanna ask. You wanna instead change your mindset to what questions do I want my audience to ask? What do I want my audience to feel? What do I want my audience to think after they hear, read, see, visualize the story? The art of storytelling is your most powerful weapon in the war of ideas. Carmen Gallo said that, and I firmly, firmly, firmly believe that. Okay. So before we get to questions, I see some things um, coming in the chat. Oh, thank you, Nicole, for putting the link um, to the examples in the chat. I love it. Um, so make sure you put your questions in the Q and a, because I will take a little, a few questions. Um, actually I'll take as long as we need. I want to 
share with you my course that I'm really excited about that I only run once a year. And I developed it because I found that I I have my social media course, my social media for social good Academy. I teach a lot about digital, you know, fundraising, but I found that people really struggle. Nonprofits really struggle with creating a system to collect and craft and share stories. So the syllabus, let me see if I can find the link. The syllabus is here. It's a Google doc. I will put it in to the chat for you. It's also at um, storytellingthatsticks.com. But module one is where we really set up your system and we want to set you up for success long term. This is where we're going to determine the best types of stories based on your goals and audience, how to ensure ethical storytelling practices, how to create a storyteller's bill of rights, how to set up your storytelling calendar, and then strategies to get buy-in from your coworkers, supervisors, and board members. And then module two is crafting those captivating stories that stick. So we go in detail through the essential building blocks, not only that, but how to get people to actually go from passive to passionate, how to get people to take action, how to grab attention with a hook, how to craft powerful calls to action. And then this is my favorite, common challenges, including confidentiality restrictions and the fear that you don't have a sexy cause. You have a sexy cause because remember, I feel like sexiness is all about confidence, right? If you've got the confidence, then you have a sexy cause and I will show you how and why you do. And then module three is how to share the stories on website, email, and social media. So how often to share stories, which platforms, how to use multiple channels, how to fill out a calendar, how to create great emails, and then how to balance all of this planning ahead with spontaneity. And then the last module is spreading your stories that stick. So this is where we're going to dive deeper into digital tools like live streaming, how to create a storytelling ambassador program, um, how to create visuals, video on a shoestring budget, and then specifically more ways, like advanced ways, like Facebook ads, social ads, um, how to use specific social media channels. We'll kind of dive a little bit deeper and, and go more into the weeds on how to use these digital tools to spread the stories far and wide and how to get people to really pay attention, like how to get people um, to actually really uh, spread the stories for you. Oh, okay. So I think, yeah, this is the same one, but it's really only four modules. And then the bonus visual storytelling in a digital world. So I will have a bonus training for you a few months after the course. And this is where we go into visual storytelling platforms, Instagram, Snapchat, TikTok. Um, I'm going to have some guest speakers and then how to use it to drive donations in a fundraising campaign. And this is really where I will go into the tools that I like to use to create visuals, especially on a bootstrap budget. There's also a lot of bonuses when you sign up that you will get um, in a couple of different weeks. I'm just going to upload them 
right to the platform, things like how to launch an emergency crowdfunding campaign, how to drive donor engagement with social media, a lot about social media ambassadors. So you'll get all of these different bonuses um, when you sign up. And then just going through what you get when you enroll and it change, it doesn't really change year over year, but every year I wonder if I'm going to run it again. So, you know, I would recommend, I don't know if I'll run it again next year. I might be doing something else. I've got other irons in the fire, but what you get this year, you get the four modules taught live by me. There's a week in between that I call implementation week where we do the homework, we do Q&A, and we really work through things together so we can get all caught up. And then there's gonna be trainings around ethical storytelling, visual storytelling, study hall sessions, tons of checklist worksheets, resource guides. Um, and then you, you also will get invited to the Facebook community just for students. And you will also have access to me via email throughout the course to, to sort of get your questions answered. You also have lifetime access to the course, by the way. So I have people that have taken the course before that are taking it again, and you can take it as many times as you want, or you can relive it, or you can take mod certain modules, certain live trainings again, but you will have access, lifetime access to the course um, and all updates. So if you are interested in registering, I really recommend going to storytellingthatsticks.com. This is what it looks like. It's inside Teachable and clicking on the package that you want to purchase. Um, and I really recommend doing it ASAP because it closes and class starts May 30th. Okay, so let's see. Do we have any questions. Um, okay. Can you put the link in the chat? Yes. Thank you so much for helping me out with the bit.ly backslash or forward slash NP COVID. Um, and then another question, Susan says, what are some guidelines in telling stories without exploiting the people that we are helping? Well, I think first of all, asking that question is, incredibly important. I think we should all be aiming to, to tell stories without exploiting people. Um, the other thing I would say is read a lot about asset framing. So I talk about it in the course, um, framing your stories from an asset perspective, from a positive perspective rather than a negative perspective. So a great example of that, uh, Donors Choose, if you look at donorschoose.org, they tell all their stories and they are really cognizant of not saying, here are some poor kids in a school in Baltimore, please help them get iPads. They talk more about what would be possible and their vision for what it could look like. And they invite you into this story of, you know, what we want to do in this classroom and what we think is possible if we had the resources. So it's much more about asset framing than it is, I guess, deficit framing. I don't know what the next, what the word would be. I also have um, a podcast episode. I have two podcast episodes, actually. One is with um, Calliope Gleros, and it's all about ethical storytelling. And then I have another podcast episode 
with Madison Gonzalez, how to tell stories around difficult issues. And she works for hospice. She's an executive director of a hospice. Talk about very difficult stories uh, that she collects and shares and she has a podcast. So I would recommend go to, you know, nonprofit nation, check it out on any of your podcast apps, but look at the one, um, the ethical storytelling one. And there is another episode around how to tell stories around very difficult issues. And they're going to give you firsthand case studies and just fantastic examples of how they do it. Um, Donna says, is access to the Facebook group during the course ending when the course is over? It doesn't end. I still have all my lovely people in that, in the, um, Facebook group from the very first time I ran this, which I think was maybe three years ago. I still have all of those students in there. So no, it doesn't end. I'm not going to, I won't kick you out. Um, I won't kick you out of the group, but that, yeah. So that's another one that's, that's lifetime, lifetime access. So it's a pretty tight knit community. There's probably about a hundred, 125 people in there. Um, and of course they're vetted. I mean, they, they have to be in the course to be in there. So there's no spammers, there's no extraneous information. Um, but that's a really great question. So access to the Facebook group is not just during the course. It is, it's forever. It's for as long as you want to join in. Okay. Well, let's see if there are any other questions that you have, you can always email me julia at jcsocialmarketing.com. You can go to the website, Storytelling That Sticks. There's actually a little chat bot that will come up. And if you type a question in the chat, if you type it at 2 a.m., 3 a.m., 4 a.m., whatever time you are, I will be able to respond to it. It'll go right to my email and um, I'll be able to respond to it. So, all right, well, let me know um, what you think. And let me know if you have any questions. I'd love to see you in the course, but if not, you'll get this recording. You will get all of, um, you know, you can get the slides. If you message me and you want the slides, Zoom will not automatically send them out. And once again, thank you to all of my podcast listeners, my nonprofit nation. I love all of you um, and I will see you soon. Okay. Thank you. Have a great weekend, everybody.